okay. How redneck is that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome uh, to episode number six of Relige Idiots. Uh, this is the first one in a couple of weeks that Scott has been back with us. Uh, how was your two-week vacation? It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> Tell us what you did. I, I really thought that for a little while the uh, cloth of my couch was going to start meshing in with the, uh, <laughs> right. the, the bottom of my, uh, my body. Uh, COVID was not a lot of fun. I uh, spent a lot of time on the couch, a lot of time sleeping, a lot of time coughing. Uh, but it's all over now and uh, feeling feeling much better. So two weeks off does the body good, I guess. Welcome back. Uh, we made it without you, but <laughs> don't know how. Back. Don't know how you survived. Right, right. <laughs> so um, if I was going to ask you, you know, just a reminder of how this typically works is I ask questions and you have no clue what I'm going to ask, right? Sure. So we just talk about it then. So if I was going to ask you, why do people not read the Bible very much? What would your answer be? I think there's a lot of reasons that uh, people don't read the Bible. It's, That's a filler yes, answer. Yes, <laughs> oh, Restate your question. As I come up and think about <laughs> actual answers here, I think it's just, man, it's, one, there's a, a time commitment to it. Um, if I'm going to say, you know, we, we, we value people who uh, read their Bible every day, and if we look at our lives, we say, you know, that's a lot of time devoted to something. Um, I think a lot of it is we just don't understand it. We don't get it. Um, especially if you start in some of the Old Testament books, you're like, what in the world are they talking about? There's so that, a lot, that's a, a good lot point. of history that you don't understand. Yeah, so if you're talking about how you read a book, you usually don't start in the middle. Right. right. You start at the beginning because you've got to figure out, okay, what's the plot? Who are the characters? Right. The author started at the beginning for a reason. And so if you do that with the Bible... You're going to start at Genesis, which is pretty cool. You know, in the beginning, God created the world and everything in it. And then here's the story of all the world and creation. And then it zeroes in on one really interesting family of Abraham. And then you got some like real drama that goes on in the first book of the Bible. That's 50 chapters, which is great. And then you get into a book called Exodus, which is, again, the first half is just filled with drama and uh, action and you got people who are enslaved and crying out and they revolt and they leave and it's just a you know the the lesser guys win everybody likes a good under underdog story and then you get into the the second half of exodus and you start getting all these laws and you start you know hearing about the ten commandments and you start talking about how they're regulated in basically everything they do and then you get through exodus if you press on through that and you started your bible reading plan and then the next book is Leviticus. And by the time you get to Leviticus, you're like 38 chapters full of laws that really don't even pertain to us. I mean, these laws are like you can't wear the same two fibers together and you can't eat the same two foods together and some foods you can't even eat at all. And what do you do with the tabernacle and all these really, really strange concepts. And so I really think that whenever, you know, we're fairly close to the beginning of a new year still. And so maybe people decided I'm going to read my Bible this year. And I picked it up in Genesis, and things are going great for the first week and a half. And then I got to Exodus, and hey, first one kept my attention. And then the second half was like, ah, oh, this is a little bit strange, and I'm getting a little lost here. And then most people quit at Leviticus. I think there's valuable research out there that says Bible reading plans stop when people get into Leviticus. You think that's because we, we finish up all the stories that we know of uh, from VBS? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, but a lot of those are there. There are not a whole lot of uh, stories in VBS about nocturnal emissions <laughs> that you find in Leviticus. You can't uh, drink the same. <laughs> right. Don't, don't cook the, the meat in the milk yeah. that it came from. I'm pretty sure they even outlaw like a cheeseburger because it's yeah, got the meat in it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and shrimp. You can't even have shrimp. So, 
but you get into like story to story, and then when you get to these books, it's like law, and not just any old law that regulates what you do. These are like really, really strange laws. And so I'm thinking one of the big reasons that people don't read the Bible is because it's strange sometimes, because it's a huge book. It's like 2,000 pages or something. And the way that it starts off is, in a lot of ways, just not really relevant to our day-to-day life, right? Right. All right, so what we're going to talk about today is why should I even read the Bible? Like, what's the point of this? And if I decide that maybe there is good reason for reading the Bible, how should I do that? What should my Bible reading plans look like? Like, how should my daily approach to Scripture um, happen? All right, so let's, let's talk a little bit about why. If I'm going to talk about why or think about why we should read the Bible, where are you going to start? I like Genesis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like you said, uh, say that again. Where are we going to start? Well, why? Like, what are some well, reasons is what I'm thinking. Like, So, I think you start because it, it does add value. I think you've got to look for that. Um, you know, if you start in, like you said, in Leviticus, you're not going to get very far before you start re- realizing, okay, maybe this is for a different people at a different time. Um, but if you start in Matthew and you start reading some of the things that Jesus says, or if you start reading in Proverbs or Psalms, uh, I saw a meme the other day that says, when you're reading in Proverbs and you start wondering, maybe I am the fool. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what, what if I'm the fool? <laughs> yeah. uh, because there's good value uh, in what it's, uh, what it's being said. That's probably why I think a lot of people are going to start reading. There, yeah, there's a reason that the Bible is the most sold and popular book in right. the world. Every year, over 100 million copies of the Bible are sold or given away or, you know, whatever. And there's a reason for that. And the reason has to be that there is some inherent value in Scripture, right? Um, we grew up that way, though, right? I mean, there's a... a good, not all of us did. Not all of us, but there's a good chunk of the world that says this book has value. Okay. And but so what, but, I think we perpetuate that over... But let's just say time. you go into that book and say, man, this is the bestseller. It's always a bestseller. Last year, this year, next year, it's always going to be number one on the list. Um, even though it's taken off of the list because that'd be, you know, it's, it's always number one. But there's got to be some reason. And you start in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and you got to start thinking, what's the reason? Like, why is this, why, why did this sell 100 million copies this year? And I'm going to say that it's the most valuable and popular and um, best-selling book, not because of what you find in Leviticus. Now, I'm not saying those aren't important things to have in Scripture. Are you saying Scriptures? No, I'm not saying whatever. I don't know important. what's coming next, but I'm not saying that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Uh, but what I will say is that the Bible is the number one selling book because of who it's about. And it's not about the laws in Leviticus. Those are contained in it, but it's about a person. It's about Jesus. And Jesus says, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so he realizes that there's an inherent hunger within people that the world doesn't satisfy, that you can't get just by going out and trying to Eat, drink, and be merry. There's something deeper than that, right? And it is really more than uh, we've got to get past the rules of it. I think um, it is a book about relationship with God. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have whether we we realize it or not, we have an innate desire to to worship and to know the Creator as the created. As yeah. the created, we have a desire to know the Creator. Um, there's several different ways to to learn that. I I think one of the things that that we struggle with sometimes is, is worshiping the creation over the creator. Um, and I think one of the ways that we see God at work is just in nature. Uh, we see him in the, uh, the things going on around us, 
but the only true way that we can get to know him is to know what he said. Right. And I would take even that a little bit further. God has revealed himself, but he revealed himself in a person. You know, early on, when you get into the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and go through, you know, the first 39 books of the Bible, the Old Testament, um, you're going to read a lot of things that God reveals about himself, self-descriptions, but those are all in words. And when you come into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, you start reading about how God revealed himself, not just in word, but by a person. Um, and Jesus comes and, and is the full revelation of God. And he would say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen God, um, and I and the Father are one, and things like that. And so we learn about God, which is the whole point of the book. We learn about God by looking at Jesus. And the way that we look at Jesus, then, is by reading the words that God wrote about him, right? That's, that's the Gospels. And so I'm pretty convinced at this point that a lot more people would continue with their Bible reading um, commitments if they started with Jesus and then worked out from there. Instead of starting at the very beginning at Genesis and then getting bogged down in a lot of the Old Testament stuff and never even making it to Jesus, if you start with the way that God ultimately reveals himself, I think that's going to be a much more interesting study, right? So you're, you're suggesting seeing the, the end of it and then going back and seeing how it started. I'm suggesting seeing the point of it. The point of it, The yeah. point. Yeah, so what's the point of this book? The book is to point to Jesus. Right. And then once you see Jesus and understand Jesus, when you go back and read how he got to the point where Jesus makes an appearance, then the Old Testament starts to make a little bit more sense. Right, and I'm thinking about like... Um, one of my favorite podcasts is The Bible Project, and they do these really cool videos. And, you know, one of the things they always talk about is the Bible is a unified story. It's, you know, written over 1,600 years. It's by 40 or more authors um, who wrote in different times and different places and in different settings. But they all weave together to tell a huge unified story that points to one man in history. And I'm saying, if that's the goal, if that's the point of Scripture, then why not start with that one person? Right? Makes sense. And if I read about Jesus, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more practically about this um, as we go, but if I, if I start at Jesus and learn who he is and what he's about and what he asks of his followers, then I'm going to be much more likely to read all of the other material that's contained in the same book. So if you understand then that Jesus is, uh, and his call is for us to be different, to be set apart, then when you go back to read all those laws about why they would why they would or could or shouldn't do different things in Leviticus, then you start to see that they are, you know, some of those rules were just because everybody else did that, you don't. Yeah. There may not be anything inherently wrong or evil about eating catfish. Catfish dirty, right? <laughs> Unclean. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> but, you know, if you understand that, hey, these pagans, they do that. So you're not going to. Right. If you see that in Jesus, if you see, hey, we're going to be different from the world, uh, mm -hmm. you're going to be called apart uh, called apart from the world around right. you. So, for instance, he says, uh, don't eat any shellfish. Don't eat yeah. shrimp, right? Okay, well, there's something about that that goes into historical context all the way back in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. But whenever you read Jesus first, and he says, hey, go out there and be salt and light. Go show the right. world there's a different way. Let your good works be seen. Well, then that, that over, overrides, I would say, or, or um, is, is kind of not overrides. That's not the right word. It, it stands over um, what you read about in Leviticus. And so it gives a bit more meaning to some of those old commands. 
Maybe that's because they were going out and trying to live salt and light. They were trying to be different than the world, yeah, right? so you can see the purpose behind yeah. some of those rules. Now, some of that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. some of that, to me, I, I still read it, and I think, why? Like, what's the point of, you know, the the lines that are drawn between you can eat this animal but not that animal, uh, some of the prohibitions, some of the things they're commanded to do. I'm still at a loss. I mean, you know, this is my career, right? And, and I read some of these words, and I'm like, what, what is that about? But I think what you start to find out that, there are difficulties and there are things that that are that we struggle i guess to understand but seeing the the whole unified point of it in Jesus helps us to understand that right and so um, i thought about it kind of like a um, like easton is our sixth grader and um, you know we're having to do a lot more work now um, as the kids grow up that's awful especially when it comes to math and so he was preparing for a test last night and I was looking at it. I was like, what are you even trying? I, don't, I, I understand like what some of these lines mean and I know what these numbers are, but what are you trying to figure out here? And so he's like, well, I'm trying to figure out, you know, the... I'm pretty sure I understand that, that symbol. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. Um, but he was like trying to figure out the, the volume in a cube. I was like, oh, okay. Now that I know the big picture of what you're trying to figure out, maybe some of these numbers make a little bit more sense. And so that's how scripture is. When we figure out... I think what the big picture is, uh, and the big picture is Jesus and our relationship with him, that's the interpretive key to figuring out the rest of Scripture. You know, I, I want to evaluate everything that I read and everything that people do in Scripture with what Jesus taught. And I think that's a pretty good indicator of, of how we're supposed to be, right? Right. Was that an agreement? <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> okay. I'm in agreement. All right. All right. So, so... <coughs> The Bible is inspired by God. Jesus is the one that it points to. Um, he's the one who gives us um, instruction about what all of our lives should be about. And his number one thing, when people came to Jesus, you can even, you know, simplify this a little bit more. If you're, if you're saying, okay, the, the Bible, you know, as a beginner, maybe the Bible is so huge. It's 2,000 pages. It's 66 books. It's 1,600 years. What is all this about? Hey, start with Jesus. And if you're going to start with Jesus, you're going to find several times when people came to him and said, what is all this about? Like, what's the most important thing that I got to do? And his answer to them every time was love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he simplifies the entire collection of 613 commands in the Old Testament. He simplifies it down to two. Love the Lord your God with heart, soul, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so if I'm interpreting this correctly, Jesus is telling us everything else flows out of that. He actually says, on those two things, love God, love your neighbor, um, on those two things hang all the law and prophets. The entire collection of God's writings hang on those two, right? Right. So that should inform us about how we should live our lives. It should show us that there are good reasons behind what God wants us to do. For instance, there's a command that says, do not murder. Well, I can look at that and say, why has God got to limit me and what I can do in my life? Maybe I want to be a hitman. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where I'm headed here. Um, don't murder. Maybe that's my, my well, he second act. He didn't say that because he didn't want us to have any fun. Right. Not saying murder is fun, but he didn't say that to limit our choices. He said that because that's the opposite of loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. He said, don't commit adultery. You think God's just out there trying to wreck all the fun that people are trying to have? No. He's trying to preserve families. He's trying to help people. And he's trying to show us how to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if I go to all these commands and I look at them and I say, okay, how does this line up? with Jesus, and more specifically, how does this 
old command or new command or whatever, how does it line up with the overarching command to love God and to love my neighbor as myself? And it seems like that gives more meaning to yeah. Scripture. It's all about being decent humans, right? Yeah. Um, we, we weave a web of connections between each other. And, uh, man, if, if life is going to be good and life is going to be uh, honorable, then those connections to each other and how we treat each other and become vital. Right. So, you know, he goes on to say, don't just, don't kill people. He says, don't, you've heard it said, don't commit a, commit murder. Well, that's important because, you know, when you, you kill somebody, one, you end that life, but man, you really put a hole in other people's lives, people that that person was connected with. But then he goes a little farther and he says, you know, don't call him an idiot. Don't call him a fool. Yeah. Um, and the reason is because, like the opposite, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the opposite of what God calls us to do. And so let me answer some objections because I know if somebody's listening to this and they're saying, you telling me that the only parts of the Bible that matter are the parts about Jesus. Well, mm, yes and no, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Because I'm not saying that the only books out of the whole 66 that matter are the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who describe the life of Jesus. I am saying that what matters is that we interpret all of Scripture in light of who Jesus is. One verse that sticks out, uh, two verses actually, John 5, 39 to 40, where the, these are the words of Jesus. And he said, You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify, he says, about me. And so what Jesus said is that book that you're relying on and talking about all these commands and all these things you should do and should not do. He says, do you know that that book talks about me? This whole thing is about me. And yet, he says, you refuse to come to me to have life. So the whole point of the book is so that you and I can have life in Christ, life in Jesus. The whole point of it is to point towards Jesus, the purpose of the Bible. It's a, it's a means to an end. And it's, it's the way that we come to a relationship in Jesus. That's the whole point, right? So if you look at it as a rule book, then you're going to find yourself hearing the same things that Jesus told them. You know, they were looking to, to make themselves right by following the rules. Right. So it had really become that rule book that is so objectionable to people today. Mm -hmm. and, and Jesus is really saying, yeah, it's, it's rules and it's a lifestyle, yeah. but it's not just about the rules. It's, it's about if you're following me, yeah. if you love me, these are the things that you'll do. So uh, that, I, I just thought about this. I was looking at a, a Facebook group post of, uh, it's a preacher group, so it's uh, really an exciting group. <laughs> so, uh, but there was a question, and the question was, hey, how far can our um, evangelism efforts go? You know, we're trying to reach the world. You know, you know what, what can we label as evangelism? And one guy said, well, I think I would uh, stay away from anything that, that may seem dangerous or may seem sinful. And I'm thinking... Okay, um, I get why you would say that, because that seems like the churchy thing to do, right? But did you read about Jesus whenever he, you know, hung out with the very sinful women? Did you read about Jesus whenever he went to the tax collector's parties, whenever he went to the wedding feast and made wine at the wedding feast? Did you read about Jesus whenever he did things that, I'm going to say, most people, not, not most. The religious people. Um, well, the, I'm religious. The religious, religious idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, th that a lot of people in churches would balk at. Yeah. They would never show up in the places that Jesus showed up in. They would never do the things that Jesus did. They'd never be caught dead in some of those places. And Jesus had a reputation. I mean, 
he said at some point, hey, if I come in here and I don't eat and drink, you say he's got a demon. And if I come in here and I am eating and drinking, you say he's a glutton and a drunkard or wine bibber. I forget what King James Version says. But um, but that that's the life that he lived. He, he lived his life to go reach people and share a message with them to get them in a relationship with God. And now, 2,000 years later, we're having these discussions about can we... Can we, you know, can we do what Jesus did? Right. Of course you can, right? That's the point. It's not to limit everything that we do and put boundaries where God's not put boundaries and draw lines that shouldn't be there. It's to look at Jesus. It's follow his footsteps. Yeah. And if I ever come upon a belief system or you know a theology that doesn't allow me to you know, practice my religion like Jesus did, I think I've come to the wrong place, right? So we got to go to those places and act like Jesus acted. I think is the yeah the, the call, right? <laughs> right. I mean, he's not you're, right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go to those places and let's, act uh, like those people. Let's massage that a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's he's still going to be salt and light. Right. But he went to the places that nobody went to. He yeah. he literally did what this guy advised us not to do. And I thought, okay, that's a that's a theology that seems, in my opinion, to have missed the call. To be like Jesus. Yeah. It's a call to be, I think there's some, some noble ideas behind that. You know, there's there's the, the idea that I'm going to, um, you know, not give the appearance of any sort of evil. Um, but at the same time, we've got to look at what Jesus did. Yeah. And, uh, and as long as I'm going there and doing the things that Jesus did, I don't think this was designed to turn into a talk about right. evangelism. But, you know, go and, and do what Jesus did. The Bible can be very liberating in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be a book about what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. It's how you live abundant life. I think we started out this whole podcast talking about that. Right. Within the bounds of living like Jesus, loving like Jesus did. There's yeah. probably a song like that somewhere. Should be. <laughs> Should be. And so the Bible is Wait, a that book. That is a country song, ain't it? It's a, <laughs> yes. Um, the Bible's a book that is a means to an end. It's the way that we find out about Jesus. It's the way that we start looking at his life. And really, it's, it's the way that we come to faith in Jesus. Paul says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, John, in his gospel, writes, and he says, Hey, I wrote these things down so that you could read them and you could have faith, so that you could you can learn to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if we're talking about what the purpose of Scripture is, it's to, it's to get us to a point where we have faith. Um, it's to point us to the person in which God reveals himself, Jesus, and draws us into a relationship with him. Um, I read this quote. It's from Rick Warren. And he said, this is great about the Bible. He says, reading the Bible generates life. It produces change. It heals hurts. It builds character. It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy, it overcomes adversity, it defeats temptation, it infuses hope, it releases power, and it cleanses the mind. That's a lot, but that's great. Every one of those things is good, and I'm, I'm on board with everything that he said there. The problem is, if I start in the very beginning and say, okay, I've never read the Bible, I don't really know everything about the Bible here, but I want to give it a shot, and I'm going to read the Bible this year. And I start at Genesis, and I trudge through Exodus, and I give up in Leviticus. I don't ever get to that point, right? And so there's got to be a better way. So the why of why I should read the Bible is because it's powerful. It's because it draws us 
into a relationship with God, it produces faith in us. All right, that's the why. And so let's finish up for a few minutes in talking about the how. If I'm going to, you know, talk about, all right, we need to read the Bible. Well, it's a huge book. And we've already said, this is just my opinion, it's not, reading it from cover to cover is not the best way to digest the Bible. It's a good way to feel like you started something, but give up pretty quickly. And so you got any thoughts on uh, how? How? How. How can we be more effective, I guess, in reading and continuing to read Scripture? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's the most uh, talked about uh, way of reading Scripture, but I, I'm a guy that I think you've got to look at your reading styles and your how you learn. And, and I learn by, man, I, I want to, I've got an idea or I've got, I, I want to figure out what can I get out of something. Uh, I do a lot of topical studies. And so that involves getting other resources like Google <laughs> and, right. and Googling. Uh, maybe the most popular Google search I've got is what does the Bible say about, uh-huh. and then start diving into uh, not just the, that one verse, but the context of that verse. Um, I'm, you know, like, like you probably, I, if you listen to a podcast, it's because you want to learn how to do something or it piques your interest and you, you want to uh, figure it out more in depth. And so that's kind of how I read the Bible. I, I read sections, parts of it, and man, it, it usually hits you somewhere. Um, and that's how transformation happens uh, when you, you start realizing this is something that I need to change about me and then working on that. Um, so I kind of went around the moon there for a minute, but yeah, it's, I like, I like finding topics and I like to, uh, I like to read chunks at a time and figure out what those topics are and what do I get out of this, this chunk of scripture. Uh, a lot of people recommend reading, read a whole book at a time. You know, if you get into Matthew, you know, can you read it? I, I remember going to college and I had an Acts of the Apostle class. Mm-hmm. And the, by the next class, we were to have read, read the entire book of Acts. And I'm thinking, well, that's like six weeks on our Bible reading plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, yeah. you expect me to sit down and read this much at one time? And uh, it was also dove season. And so I remember sitting in a dove field. Uh, that's where you hunt doves. And, and reading the book of Acts while also staring up at the sky. You know, you can cover a lot of ground pretty quick. Yeah. Probably an hour. Yeah. I think Acts takes about an hour. Yeah. Um, so so what I would say is if I'm, if I'm motivated to read the Bible and I, I decide it's going to be a good thing, I don't, I don't know much about this, I want to learn more, I want to lo- learn about Jesus, I want to um, figure out, you know, what this book is about. The bestseller, 100 million copies every year. What's the point? Why are people doing this? Let me encourage you, and I'm gonna. I think in the show notes, I'll probably throw in some. We've got show notes now. <laughs> fancy, we are. We're episode six. Um, we got show notes. We're gonna have show notes this time. Awesome. I'm gonna link maybe to some Bible reading plans. Uh, there are several yeah. that I've used over the years. Um, I will say none of them are start at Genesis and go to Revelation. I've never done one of those. Um, but I will. I'll use plans that will read like one chapter of the Gospels every day one chapter of Psalms every day, one proverb every day, and a, um, uh, you know something from the Old Testament yeah. every day. I've used some of those. Um, I would recommend uh, the Bible Project podcast and, and their Read Scripture app is one of the best you know, uh, Bible reading plans that I have ever seen. Um, I would recommend, if you're 
you know, if you're pressed for time, I get it. We live in a busy world. Um, but if that's if that's kind of where you are, I would I would say start with a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Luke's my favorite. I would start with Luke's gospel. It's 24 chapters. You can read one chapter a day and in less than a month's time, even a short month like February, um, you can finish the gospel of Luke in 30 days. And I would almost, I'm 98% going to guarantee that once you finish that, you'll be hooked and you will want to read more and you'll be searching for more time to read. Once you start, man, it's it gets interesting and, and um, it kind of draws you in. And that's the point. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. It generates faith. It draws us to Jesus. It creates a relationship with him. And so I would say get a plan, find a place, uh, purposefully set out some time to say, I'm going to spend five minutes a day reading one chapter of Luke's gospel or whatever book you read. But pick it, plan it, and just do it for a sustained amount of time, 24 days. Make a commitment. Make a commitment to do it. Keep it simple, but the main thing is keep it going. Yeah. And I think you're going to find a lot of treasure contained in the pages of Scripture. Maybe one of the things that we can put in show notes since we're doing that now. <laughs> well, don't go too far now. <laughs> is uh, one of the, the studies that, that I've used doing like group Bible studies is, uh, you know, asking questions after you read a, a section. Uh, I think we see that with our kids and how they learn at school. Uh, you read a section, ask questions. We did homeschooling during this, not homeschooling, but some take home stuff uh, while our kids were out of school for a couple of weeks. And that's awful. Uh, but one of the things I realized is we learn by read something, answer questions to it. Yeah. And you know, some of the questions that we can ask is what does this Bible passage say about God? What does it say about me? What I'll learn about people, what I'll learn about God by looking at these, at this passage. It's almost like that's a good Bible study plan. Man. Yeah. I, I think I've seen it before. Yeah. Maybe we can, uh, can, can put that in some show notes. Yeah. I think so, we have uh, groups going right now that are using that yes, plan, right? Yes, that very now. method. So, yeah, that's the Discovery Bible study, I think, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What does it say about me and God? Yeah. What does it say about people? Um, that's a good daily exercise. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty easy. But above all, keep it simple. And just do it. Manageable and just keep it going. Read the Bible. Develop faith. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. All right. All right. Hopefully Scott's back with us for good now. No more two-week vacations planned, right? 90 days. <laughs> you got 90 days before another two-week <laughs> 90 weekend. days. All right. All right. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about maybe some other ways that you know God uses to, to um, provide guidance for us, how he leads us, how he um, helps us to do good, right? Bible's one of those ways, but are there more? All right. Hope you all have uh, enjoyed. If you like this, keep listening, subscribe, especially if you like it, share it with somebody. Let them know that uh, maybe there's a way uh, they can listen to a podcast and draw a little bit closer to God. That'd be co- pretty cool, right? That would work. That All would right. Work. Thanks. See you later. Okay.